All right, we're starting a new series called The Kingdom today. In the past, we've done a lot of other series, and I've said more than once, man, I really ought to talk about what the kingdom is at some point, and uh, this is that point. So here we are. So we're going to talk about what the kingdom is, what that means, and, and what that calls us to be. One of the things about that song that we just sang, it was actually written in Ireland from a group in Ireland, uh, is they made a good, clear distinction about the church being the hope on earth, but asking God to build the kingdom. Because the kingdom and the church are not exactly the same thing. And that's something that we'll dive into more as we go through this series. But let's start off, we're going to read from Mark, and then Matthew, and then Luke, and then Mark, and then Genesis. So you don't have to turn to all of them if you don't want to. But we're going to be moving pretty quick through some of these verses, because we want to get a baseline. So kingdom, why is it important, is our question. Mark chapter 1, verse 14, later on, after John was arrested. Okay, timeline, where are we? Jesus was born, John was out in camel hair, eating locusts in the wilderness. Jesus came out and baptized, was baptized by John. Then he goes, the Holy Spirit comes down like a dove. God speaks in, in, from heaven. We see the first time where all three are kind of together in the same space, in a sense, where we can kind of see. And then Jesus goes off in the desert to be tempted by Satan. And now he's come back, okay? And John has left the scene at this point because he's been arrested. So we're at the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. In fact, in the book of Mark, Jesus hasn't spoken yet at this point from how Mark writes it. So it says, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. First thing out of Jesus' mouth, what do we hear? This is something that's been promised by God that people have been waiting for. This is good news, which is also the word for gospel. We'll see that again in a minute. The kingdom is near. It's coming, okay? And we're going to talk later on about how it's here, but it's not here all the way yet, and there's something going on. So Jesus is announcing it's, it's on its way. It's on its way. What does that require of the people? Repent of your sins. You're doing things that you shouldn't be doing. We're doing things that are taking us away from God. Repent of your sins and believe. And that believe word is a believe and act on. Okay? This is to, to do something about your belief. Believe the good news. Okay? So this is something important for Jesus. Where on the scale is this for Jesus? One being lowest, ten being highest. This is like a ten, right? This is, this is and we're going to see that again. Okay. Matthew chapter 4. So there's a lot more beginning stuff in Matthew. We get genealogies. We get, uh, we get baptism is longer. The birth stories in there. All this other stuff that's not in Mark. Mark just gets out the gate. He says, we got to go. Let's move. Matthew says, let's set some stuff up first. Luke does the same thing. It says, verse 17 in chapter 4, from then on, same spot, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In the book of Matthew, he's going to call it the kingdom of heaven and not the kingdom of God. What's different about that? Not much. Matthew chooses to call it one thing. Heaven, God's space. So, kingdom of heaven versus kingdom of God might be like saying kingdom of the United Kingdom 
versus the queen's domain. Yeah? Kind of the same idea, just two different phrasing. All right. Luke, chapter 4, same deal. Early the next morning, this is a little bit later, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave. When we talked about rest last year, we used this passage and talked about how Jesus had been healing and doing all these kinds of miracles all day long, and then he goes out to be by himself and get some rest, and then the people try to find him, and what's he going to say? He replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. It's not a 10, this is an 11. Right? This is why Jesus was sent. That's pretty significant, right? So we got to know what this kingdom of God is if this is Jesus' reason for coming. Like, that's a big deal, right? That's a big deal. And as we go, we're going to learn why we can't just think about Jesus as a moral teacher. There's a lot more to Jesus than that, because he was sent to preach what? The kingdom of God coming. All right. So, let's get on the same page. What's a kingdom? We make sure we know what a kingdom is, so that we know what we're talking about. First off, a king or a queen reigns in a kingdom, Right? So somebody is in charge of the kingdom. This is not a democracy. This is not a lot of other forms of government. It's not communal choice. Somebody's on top. That somebody's in charge. Okay? Two, encompasses a territory, right? So if the king, the queen of England comes to the United States and tries to do something and say, this is what has to happen right here, what do we say? You're not the boss right here. (laughs) It's, It's not your job here. You're, you're not the queen of this place. You're queen territory somewhere else, okay? But when she's over there, what she says, does it go? It goes, right. Because the ruler has total authority. Now, today in places like the United Kingdom, they also have things like parliament where there's a lot of other systems going on in place to set the rules. When you look in your history books way back in time, when a king or queen was in charge, did anybody else get any say? They might give advice, but their advice was only as important as the king or queen thought that advice was, okay? So their power is total. It is total. What they say goes, they are in charge. Can that be good or bad? Sure it can. That can be really good and that can be really bad. Depends on who your king or queen is. The citizens of the kingdom who live in that territory must live as the ruler decrees, okay? What happens if you don't live as the ruler decrees? Something bad happens. That's the dungeon, that's the military coming, that's whatever happens is going to come get you and either kick you out, you're either going to go into exile, your life's going to be forfeit, or you're going to be stuck somewhere until you're ready to change or until a new ruler comes, okay? So are we on the same page? That's what a kingdom is. Are we already seeing some, some parallels between God's kingdom and what an earthly kingdom looks like? Okay. Does God have total authority in heaven? Does God have total authority on earth? Sort of. Sort of. Sort of. And that's the kingdom coming. Okay. We're getting ahead of ourselves in a lot of places. Let's go back to the very first verse of Mark, chapter 1. Right out of the gate. Mark says this. He's talking about his, his thing that he's written. This is the good news, or the gospel, about Jesus, the Messiah. Other translations might say Christ. Either of those words is a translation 
for us for the word king is the king, the son of God. Is that a big statement for your first sentence? Do we know what Mark thinks already? You want to hear something interesting? When the new ruler of Rome came into power, when Augustus became Caesar, you know what people came out and said? They said, this is the good news about Augustus, the Caesar, the king, the son of God. Same sentence. Same sentence. Gospel is a, as far as we can find in antiquity and history, is a political term. This kind of good news isn't about, here's the feel-good story of the day. This is your news that somebody new has come and is in charge. And hopefully it's going to be good for you. But that's what this sentence means. This isn't just about, this is a good, good story, which it is. And because this is the good king, and this is the king who is just and fair and right and holy, this is a good, 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 good feel story too, if you're on his team, right? But this is a political statement in that time. That the person you think is king, his rule is getting overthrown by a new king. Let me tell you about this king, is what Mark's about to do. If you are a Roman authority, are those fighting words? <laughs> those are fighting words. And that's something that we're going to have to think about with the kingdom throughout all this. Is, you know, there are wonderful things that we celebrate today about the country that we were born into, right? About this place that we live. And there are also really rough things about this country's history, right? And, and is our hope in this country? It can't be. Because none of the countries that are here on earth are going to make it forever. What makes it forever? This kingdom we're going to talk about, okay? And so we celebrate the freedoms that we have today, and those are good. And we remember also that there's a long way to go and that there's a lot of pain that we reflect on, a lot of people who didn't have freedom for a long time in the story. But we're going to look at this in a second and see how in God's kingdom and in God's story, God looked at everyone with a high view from the beginning. Okay? And so that's where we're going to go in this series. Here's, where our, here's our roadmap for our series. We're talking about God's plan to reign, what God had intended from the beginning how things collapsed. And you can read that, how people messed everything up. Have you ever messed anything up? Today? Yeah. All right. Third week, we're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus. This is, this is that Jesus coming and putting his kingdom into place, and then life in the kingdom, which is where we're at now. Okay? Now, we're going to talk about all four of these things pretty much every single week, too, because it's almost impossible to just stick to one of them. We've got to get through all of it over and over again. And one of the ways we're going to do that is we're going to do some video watching. So we're about to switch to video. I'm going to dim one of the lights. There's one of the Bible Project videos. We may have used this before, but it's a great one, and it's going to help us go faster because, you know, I like to go for a long time sometimes, and we're going to try to speed it up today. All right, so here we go. <laughs> 
So if you lived in ancient Bible times, odds are you lived under the authority of a king. And many of these kings claimed that they were gods, and they would even call themselves the image of God. Meaning they had authority to tell people what to do, order things to be made. Yeah, they got to define good and evil. And these kings would often make statues of themselves, which in Hebrew were called tselem, often translated as idol or image. But for Israel, they didn't view their kings as the God. In fact, they were never supposed to even make images of God. It's exactly right. And that was really unique for that time and culture. This is rooted, first of all, in Israel's belief that you can't reduce the creator God down to any one thing in creation. But there's another reason. People aren't to make images of God because God has already made images of himself. When did he do that? Well, let's go to page one of the Bible. And the first person we meet there is God. He's the one with authority over all creation. He speaks and creation obeys. And he defines what is good and not good. In other words, he alone is king. But then surprisingly, as the pinnacle of all of God's creative work, he makes humans. And he calls all of them the image of God. So he gives all humans the authority to rule. Exactly. That's what he goes on to say. He tells the humans to subdue the earth and to rule it. And so this task that once belonged only to elite kings is here in the Bible the task of every human being. This was a revolutionary statement in its day because all humans are being called to rule and to participate in the human project. So what does this mean? I mean, how are we all supposed to rule? So the picture we get in Genesis is gardening. Gardening? Yes. Gardening. So they rule the earth by cultivating it, by harnessing all of the earth's raw potential and then making something more and new out of it. So growing food for each other. Yes, but that also includes growing families then, which become neighborhoods. And then they create communities where people are going to work and take care of each other and build businesses and cities that will expand to new places and so on. So ruling is really the day-to-day acts of our work and creativity. Yes, we take the world somewhere. This is humanity's divine and sacred task. Yeah, and this all sounds really nice. And humans have designed some pretty great things. But just as often we create things that cause a lot of suffering and a lot of injustice, so maybe we shouldn't actually be ruling. Yeah, so the Bible addresses this. In Genesis, what happens is that God gives humans a choice about how they're going to rule. So are they going to use their authority for the benefit of others, which is God's definition of good, or are they going to turn away and define good and evil for themselves and use their authority for self-advantage? And in the story, they choose to define good and evil on their own terms. And so this is the Bible's depiction of the human condition. So sometimes we pull off amazingly good stuff, but just as often, despite our best intentions, we act selfishly and we create evil in the world. And so we're stuck as mediocre rulers making a mess of things. But that's not the end of the story. So the Bible goes on and it makes this claim that all of this was resolved when God bound himself to humanity through Jesus. And he showed us what it looks like to truly rule as a human. So what does it look like? Well, Jesus ruled by serving and by seeking the best for others, by putting himself underneath them and loving not just his friends, but also his enemies. And that's not a typical way to rule. And not only that, Jesus confronted the consequences of all of the evil and the death that we have created by our messed up ways of ruling. And he takes it. I mean, he lets it kill him. 
And so when the New Testament writers looked back to Jesus' resurrection, they see a whole new future opening up for all humanity. Jesus is a new way to be human. Yeah, that's why they called Jesus the image of God or the new human. And not only that, they also believe that Jesus' divine life and power is now available to heal and to transform us to become our life and power. And this sounds really nice, but what does it really look like? So practically, the Apostle Paul said it looks like people being filled by Jesus' own presence and spirit, filled with love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and integrity and gentleness and self-control. He says this is the new humanity that God wants to create in us so that we become people in whom God's image is being restored, people who will move the human project forward. And that's actually how the story of the Bible ends. It's a renewed world where God is on his throne and his servants are all around him, but they're the ones ruling over this new world, taking it into new, uncharted territory with Jesus as their healer and their guide. All right. There's a lot in there, right? Always is. Did you get a feel for how God wanted to rule the world in that video? This thing called the image of God A lot of people try to say, what is the image of God? What is it that makes us special and what is it that makes us different? There's a lot of things that make us special and unique and different from the rest of creation. But this image of God you understood in the story was the authority, right? God made us to be partners with him in creation. Is that a big deal? That's That's a big thing we're called to. That means that God looks at you and says, I want you to be my teammate in ruling the world. Is that how most authorities look at other people? (laughs) Is that how kings and queens look at their subjects? Maybe a couple, but all of them? If we valued the talents and the skills and the creativity of each other, the way God does, can you imagine what we could do? Just here in this, here at this place, here at Contact. Wouldn't that be huge? But I'm getting ahead of myself again, right? Because we're still in week one. So we learned in the video that idols represent a lowercase g God's rule. The selim, or the idol, but that same word is also the translation for image of God. And that's significant. Because we're not supposed to make idols. Where is that? Number two. No idols, right? One God, no idols. Okay? But collectively, we are God's image, or even you can say it, his idol in the world. The thing that represents his rule and authority is us as his creation. And that's significant. That's a big thing. Let's read from Genesis chapter 1. Let's read what it's talking about. It says in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. Do you see that? The first time God talks about humans in the Bible. This is page 1 
All right? Is page one important in a book? That, that sets the stage for what's going on. Page one, let us make human beings in our image. That's the first thing said about people. To be like us, they will reign. That's a huge deal, right? They will reign. Verse 27, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. All right? So together, we are God's image. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it or subdue it. What does that mean? We learned from the video. Garden it. Yeah, it's, it's not this, this idea of it's mine and I'll do whatever I want with it. it. This is God's gift to us. This is he put all the building blocks in place for incredible things and said, go wild. Go do amazing things with my authority that I'm giving you and this place I'm giving you. Reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. So, God made earth for us to thrive and to create with him. This place isn't just that, well, I'm here for a minute and I'm passing away and it doesn't matter. This, this, is, this is where God made, made for us. If you make something for your kid, do you want them to appreciate it? Do you want them to say, ah, this is just temporary, I don't need it? No. You want them to enjoy it. Man. You ever get mad when they want to play with the box more than the thing that's in it? That's another thing. All right. But God, God made this world for us to reign. And not an angry reign. Not an I want power over you. Although that's where it goes immediately, right? Next thing you know, one person says, hey, I think I'm better for some reason. Some arbitrary reason. that doesn't have anything to do with anything. And all of a sudden, we've got systems of violence and oppression that have been built up from one sin against another. But again, that's next week. Okay. I'm telling you, it's hard to not just go the whole way every time because there's so much that's important about this. But when we're talking about this kingdom idea, the foundation of kingdom, when Jesus comes and says, what was promised is here, is coming, the foundation of that is a place where God is our king and where we all are asked to reign together. And we know that's right because that's from page one. That's from page one. Okay? You are made to reign on God's behalf. You wonder what your purpose is? You wonder why you're here? You're made to reign. What does that mean? I can't always tell you. But it's as varied as the talent and creativity that God has given us. The things that are blessings to others. If it's something that's hurting somebody else, that's not what you're here for. If it's something that is made for serving and loving and, and beauty and wonder and excitement, yeah, that's part of what God made us for in the first place, to be his image. King Jesus came as the image of God to show us how to be fully human. We're going to look like next week at how God tried over and over again to, 
find a person or a group of people who could do this. And they failed, and they failed, and they failed, and they failed. And finally God said, I guess I'm just going to have to come. And so he sent Jesus as fully person, but also fully God, to be what God had wanted. And Jesus then becomes king. And that's why this story is about the good news of Jesus, the king, the son of God. Because it's going to change everything for us and start getting us back to where God wanted to take us from from the beginning. We're on a detour. We're on a really long detour from what God intended for us. There's so much more still to come. Jesus showed us the beginning of what it means to be fully human. And then he says to his disciples, you're going to do even greater things than I did. What do you think he's got in mind? Go, reign over this place. There's more yet to do. So, all of the kingdoms are going to fall. We talked about this in Daniel. That the rock comes and crushes the, the idol to dust. But it lasts forever. What kingdom are you going to fully give yourself to? We can't serve more than one. We can go together for a while, but there's going to be places where we've got to choose who we serve. Will you give yourself fully to the King of Kings? I hope so. If you need anything today, if you're ready to give yourself to God, if you're ready for baptism, if you need prayers of repentance, if there's anything you need today, you can come on forward as we stand and as we sing.